0: Stop right there. Uh-huh. You've got it. You're listening to Brandy J. Singleton, a voice to be reckoned with. You're in the right spot. And you know how you're in the right spot? Because you're listening to me right now. So let's get started. What would you do if you woke up every morning knowing that you could not escape bullying at home And at school, on a day-to-day basis, what would you do if you had no one to turn to because when you tried, they didn't listen, they minimized, or just flat out didn't believe you? What would you do? Ladies and gentlemen, a lot of youth... Commit suicide more often than you think due to this type of behavior that they're subjected to, and it's not okay. But today, I have with me a guest by the name of Jean Pierre that endured these things for many, many, many years from a very young age up into high school. Jean Pierre has a very significant story. It's of strength, courage, but a lot of pain but a lot of positivity that he took from this pain and used in a way that he could cope and help others. Unfortunately, this is not the case for some, but maybe if people start to speak up and people start to pay more attention to these signs and open their eyes or stop turning that blind eye, then we can stop this horrific outcome. So, guys, please give a mindful, kindful ear to Jean Pierre. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to my show. This is Brandy J. Singleton, the voice to be reckoned with, the next level. Today, I have with me a special guest. He goes by the name of Jean Pierre. I try to get fancy with it. I don't. I probably should have just left it alone, right?
1: (laughs) No, that's great.
0: Hey, John, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty well today, thank you. How about yourself?
0: Um, I woke up this morning, so I'm thinking I'm doing pretty good.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah.
0: For sure. Uh, so Jean Pierre. Okay, now you want me to say the full? I'm saying Jean Pierre.
1: Perfect. Yes, Jean Pierre.
0: Jean Pierre. What is um? Tell, can you tell, well, I see, I know that you're an actor, correct? Yes. More than that, actually. You do a lot of things
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: on the spot, but I mean, you do a lot. <laughs> Very talented, Is that's what it is. Thank you. <laughs> can you. Can you let our listeners know um, who Jean-Pierre is?
1: Of course, yeah. Um, I definitely uh, describe myself as an all-around entertainer. I'm an actor, rapper, music producer, director, uh, comedian, impressionist, paranormal investigator, um you know voiceover artist uh, I do all that stuff uh, and that I think that really does define who I am it's it's my passions in life and I really love doing it and uh yeah that really is me I I love to I love to create create emotion create art and uh, express myself and uh, those are the avenues I choose to express myself
0: I like it I like it creative mindset awesome well, John, I, John Pierre, I didn't know that um, we've talked before and you, um, you know, I uh, am very passionate in, in and advocating, advocating, I am a teacher and a mother for um, our youth and with bullying. And um, I know that you, you have a, a really, um, actually a very strong story, basically, that, that basically shaped who you are today, correct?
1: Yes, very true.
0: Yes, and I and I appreciate you for, um, coming on this platform uh, and sharing this with others because it's very much needed.
1: I agree. <laughs>
0: yeah, and in this crazy world that we live in, already it's getting crazier. You know, it still can't. You know, it's still very much happening. You know, it's still happening. It's not like it's on the sidelines, just waiting, taking its turn. This has been an ongoing thing, and so I, I wanted to. Um, to ask you can you share with us where where did this all begin for you
1: yeah definitely of course uh definitely have to go all the way back to beginning so and uh, let me preface it with um i like to say this is kind of my dark past but also it leads into the beauty of what is now and the future from even some of the darkest things so so there's a positive uh outcome to all of this uh just wanted to kind of preface it that way that way it's not all doom and gloom here there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> as they say, yeah, uh so yeah, yeah, it started out very young um you know i I think as as a child before I got into a lot of social circles in school, uh, I was very extroverted, very bubbly, very out there, expressive, um and uh, as soon as I started going to school, I lived in a predominantly um latinx neighborhood in uh, long beach uh, slash wine gardens california um and uh, going to school uh our family raised us different we're european descent although i found a lot more about my heritage recently uh we were very much raised with that italian lifestyle and mindset we had different hair our parents dressed us differently so going into a larger social circle meaning you know school I definitely noticed right away, like all of a sudden I was different where when I was very young and before I went to that kind of social uh, environment of school, I got along with other kids. I would joke around, we'd play, story tell, do whatever, like all kinds of stuff. And uh, I think I was very bubbly and extroverted that way. And then when I got to school, um, I'm talking about like you know kindergarten, maybe even before that, pre-K when I went to school, I noticed that all of a sudden people started noticing that I was different and my younger brother went through this as well and it felt very automatically like kind of ostracized and outcasted like oh he's different your voice sounds different your hair is different your clothes are different like people made those kind of comments um even little stuff like my father left when I was 2 years old so not having him around kids would comment how come your mom only picks you up where's your dad so you know those kind of issues and i mean kids are young so I don't know. I don't think they fully understand those concepts, so I don't fully blame them. But at the same time, I think that kind of mentality is taught, whether it's through media or or adults um and that that mentality of I guess judgment really uh is is created. I don't think we're born with that. I, you know, you, when we're kids, like I said before I went to any large social groups like edu- like school, um I didn't have any problems, I have any social issues. I had friends, we played, we, we did kid stuff. There, there didn't seem to be those boundaries. But as soon as we got into a larger social setting, it seemed like looking different or sounding different, all, all these little things became very big things and kind of keep you away from the normal social um, interactions that most kids have. So that, that's something I noticed very young. Um, and what didn't help is in my home, and this is something I'll get to later, because it wasn't really bad when I was young, Uh, but I was abused at home, but when I was young, I wasn't really abused necessarily, but I was definitely manipulated into believing things, and being bullied at school allowed my narcissistic abuser to kind of manipulate us even more by saying, like, see, you can't trust anybody but your family, and I think that led to the more of the shutdown introvert that I became over time, uh, but that's just kind of a side note. Let me get back to uh, the, the school. So um, school continued, uh, and unfortunately, the outcasting, ostr- ostracizing, and bullying just got worse over time. Um, I mean, kids always bothered and picked on me, uh, called me names, you know, pulled my hair, hit me, um, made fun of what I, how I dressed, how I sounded um and some of the more extreme stuff like I'll never forget this um I remember we were playing on the jungle gym right and you know you just try to be around kids your age when you're at school and you're playing around and I remember this one kid was just like making fun of me and he was on top of the jungle gym and I was below it and he just hocked a loogie and spit on me and like no reason I didn't provoke anything I didn't say anything I was just standing there And I remember that that image is seared in my head because I did not understand why somebody would do that. Um, And I mean, I I wouldn't even say that's the worst thing, but for some reason it does stick out to me like very powerfully that that happened to me. Um, And, you know, just, yeah, being kind of like pushed aside, like not kids not letting me play with them and when they were playing like games during recess or whatever, um, you know, always kind of by myself in a corner being picked on. Um, There was even points, and this is all elementary school at this point that I'm talking about, Um, like, you know, anywhere from like third to to fifth grade. Um, I remember it was so bad that there was even like, I I used to jokingly call it school beat me up days where like the whole, my whole class Mm -hmm. at recess would get in a circle so nobody could see. And the whole group would just hit and kick me and call me names and all that stuff. And then when the administrators would come break it up, they would gang up and say that I did something and I would get a pink slip for getting beat up. And it was it was devastating for me. I was really young and like, you really do feel like the whole world's against you. I'm like, wow, like, and my parents didn't like it as much as they were, I, I feel like grooming me for abuse later in life. Um, they weren't really bad to me when I was really young at that age. And they were really upset. And even when my parents came to the school and, and tried to defend us with, with the administration at the school and say that bad things were happening, they would say, Um, oh, we don't think that's what's happening. The other students said this, you know, and it was just, it was that continuation of um, a large group of people who are doing all doing the same thing can defend themselves, but one person who's, you know, essentially the victim of whatever's happening uh, doesn't matter. And, you know, it's, and and then the administrators just deny it. Well, that's not what's happening here. The students said this happened and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it was it was frustrating, even at that young, I understood what was happening and I felt very, you know, I don't wanna play the victim, but in that situation, I really was the victim. Um, you know, it was tough. I literally socially had no social life. I had really no friends. It was, I was always around adults, my family and the adults, they had as friends. Um, in third grade in particular, uh, I, I won't forget this because I actually had a teacher bully me. So to top it off being picked on by everyone else in school, This one teacher, for some reason, had it out for me, and I remember, like, if I didn't finish an assignment, she would pick up the assignment, go in front of the class, say, look, everyone, Jean-Pierre didn't finish his assignment, and, like, stuff like that, and, again, proving that I believe the entire system is corrupt because of what I experienced even in third grade, um, when my family went to the school to fight it and say, hey, look, he's coming home crying, kicking things, upset, And he's saying, this teacher's picking on him. Oh, well, our teachers don't do that. The administration doesn't approve of that. And they just would deny it. Uh, But it got to a point where um, my parents went further up in the chain of command with the school district. And eventually um, the situation was taken care of and the teacher had no choice. And I remember feeling so um, disgusted because the teacher came up and kind of gave me like a hug and apologized. And it felt... It felt, I didn't feel like she was sorry for what she did to me. I felt like she was sorry she got caught for yeah. what she was doing to me. And even like I said, even at a young age, I understood like people's behaviors. I really, because I, I, I was, I'm re- I really pay attention to things. I really pay attention to what's going on in my environment and in the world. So I felt like I really saw that kind of stuff. So that was just a continuous cycle of one thing after the other. And my grandmother, who's my abuser and narcissist, even if at that time she wasn't really too bad. And I'll get into some of that stuff. I felt like she, she knew she could use that to manipulate me and keep me close rather than allowing me to expand as a human being and go out into the world. It was like, see, you shouldn't leave the house. See, you shouldn't go out. See, you don't trust anybody. And like she built this very negative mentality. So to, to top off me already feeling bad that I feel ostracized and outcast in, in, in the world in general, you have someone like building in you that you can't trust anybody and everybody's out to get you and and that just creates more of a darker mindset for how you view the world so i i realized that now that that that's what was happening um the bullying pretty much uh in similar fashion i mean thankfully teachers didn't really get involved in it after that one experience in third grade which was good because that was a horrible experience um but I still was picked on up until junior high, again, because I looked different. I had curly long hair. And my name was different from everyone else's. Um, it was so bad, the bullying and getting beat up in my school district. I actually had to change school districts to go to the Orange County School District. So that way, I wouldn't be getting beat up and, and hurt so much. Because like, I was just kind of shy and timid. And even though my grandmother would say things like, you know, like hit them back or whatever. Like I just, I don't know, I never did. I never really did, even after taking karate and stuff. Like, I just kind of, I don't know, I was just kind of shut down, I think, at at that point in my life. Yeah, all those um, and, sorry, go ahead. I'm
0: sorry, I'm just saying all those messages that you received, you know, during, you know, the time you were going through this, like you said, it shut you down. And
1: Yeah, literally, literally just shut down and you don't know how to react when you're shut down. When you're shut down, that just means like, it's almost like you're incapable of reacting anymore because it happens so much. You're just, you just shut down and feel like you're in a ball and the world's against you. So it's like, cause even if I did defend myself, I got blamed when I got beat up. So like, if I do something back, they're just going to blame me even more. So it was like, you know, again, even at a young age, I think I understood that concept that like, well, it's against me. So I don't know how I'm gonna, how I'm gonna fight this when it just seems to be like everything, all the odds seem to be against me. Um, so again, that continued all the way through. Um, it got a little better towards the end of elementary school. And I say a little because I, I there were certain things that I clung to. I think my es- my escapism on some level when I was young was really music and entertainment, and probably why it's such a passion of mine in my life. And I couldn't express myself in the home either. That was a big thing. And that started at a very young age from my uh, abuser as well, is that I couldn't express any thoughts or feelings. if If it was against what my narcissistic grandmother thought then you can't say it she would cut you off and shut you down so that shut me down as well that that actually did i think the most um damage to me as a uh, expressing myself because my father left when i was two and i always kind of felt that loss and i never could express hey like you know i just i wish i had a father figure around like i really feel like i'm missing something and my grandma would say like oh it's better off that he left he was a horrible person blah 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 and it was like I couldn't just express the feeling of of emptiness or loss that I had because it was negative. So that kind of thing too also helped shut me down even more. Uh, but anyway, like if things got a little better because of entertainment, I would sit in the schoolyard by myself sometimes, like I said, because I wasn't really social, and I really started getting into rap around ninety-five-96. And I was like sitting in the schoolyard rapping some bone thugs and harmony harmony lyrics. Um and one of the black students actually came up and was like, oh, you like that music? Oh, that's cool. The irony of that, that's the same kid that spit on me. So again, I think it proves that I don't, I don't like to hold grudges or be mean to people because we actually became friends after that. Like I like to play basketball, he liked to play basketball. I liked rap, he liked rap. So like actually made friends with that person and other people around me because of my interests. Right?
0: What was that i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off i was just i um, trying to make uh so the boy that spit on you got this now you just were a little bit older from where where that that event had taken place
1: yeah i think it was like uh maybe the year before that the school year before that when the incident happened mm-hmm. and then the next year there wasn't really any issues with him in particular and then he he heard me rapping the bone thugs lyrics you know on the side of the basketball court or whatever you know i was just sitting down And it was like, oh, you like that music? I like that music too. Oh, you like basketball? Let's play basketball. And all of a sudden, like, I'm starting to be a little more social. I'm finding things. People are finding that I have things in common with them. So there was slight improvements, you know? Still, again, I was still being picked on and bullied. But, like, certain people, I don't know if they matured. I don't know if they just saw something that they connected with with me. But it definitely improved a little bit. But, again, I was still being bullied and bothered by lots of other people. Uh, it was a very small section of people I got along with. And to be honest, when I think of when I think about an elementary school, uh, before that time, the only kids I actually got along with, or actually talked to or spent time with, were the worst kids in school, they were known to be the thieves, the the criminals, like their families were involved in gangs. And like, you would see them alone, on, on the playground and in school, and I was, so I think, really it gravitated and they gravitated to me and I gravitated to them because we had that same kind of stigma on us where we were kind of ostracized and outcasted from the rest of the school so my good friends if there were any were like the worst kids because every everybody's parents knew those kids were bad and said don't hang out with that boy because blah 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 blah." so like it's funny that I, I socialized with those people more than anybody else because we, we shared the common ground of being kind of outcasted from everyone else um, so I remember that vividly, too, uh, happening in school. Uh, but anyway, continuing down the line, uh, I said things slightly improved. You know, luckily, no administrators or teachers were picking on me. Um, you know, still some students were, but it wasn't as extreme as, as it had been in years prior. Um, and then I got to junior high. That's when we changed school districts. It was still bad enough I needed to change school districts. So I was severely bullied still. Um, and changing school districts, uh, there was good and bad in that, um, there seemed to be more diversity in the schools I went to, uh, when I transferred districts. So you saw more, more variety in the cultures you interacted with, which I think helped a little bit because you could align with people more who felt different because everybody kind of, there was a little more of a mixed bag than where I grew up at, um, I was still bullied and picked on a little bit, but by that time, I had already taken karate and some boxing stuff. And uh, I think, yeah, it was my sixth grade year. Uh, some, guy, some guys were trying to get us in a fight, me and this other guy. And again, I'm really nonviolent, if I have to be honest. I'm, I don't, I'd rather not. I don't think it really solves a lot. Um, but uh, this guy physically pushed me and uh, he knocked me over a chair. And at that point I was mad about it. So after class we ended up getting into a fight. And uh it, it helped my reputation because I knew how to fight. So, you know, um he didn't really know how to guard or throw punches or anything, and I did. So when we got into a fight, um I, I got the upper hand on him. And after everybody saw that, like almost the you know, a ton of the school was present because it was between classes. Um like people stop messing with me. They're like, "Dude, that guy. Is, don't mess with him, dude. He will. He will hurt you. Like he knows. He knows how to protect himself." Um, so I think that um, kind of display helped me a little bit because I was I wasn't being physically bothered by that point in junior high anymore, but I was still being picked on. Oh, you, your hair. You look like a girl. Oh, your name's weird. You know, stuff. Just different stuff for being different. Um, again, not as extreme, but still, still enough where you know, it, socializing was difficult in the majority of social groups in school. Um, But that fight really helped uh, stop people from bothering me. Like I noticed after that point, word got around like, don't mess with that guy. And people really stopped messing with me. And I had a few really good friends as well. That's really when I had friends that I spent time with, I went to their houses, they came to my house and I had more social experiences with kids my own age, which was very important, obviously, I think for growing up and developing it's important to have kids your own age to have similar interests and, and you can do social activities together. Um, so that definitely helped and it kind of grew from there. Um, you know, again, my reputation just kind of preceded me in the next year. Not many people mess with me. I had no issues. Although every once in a while, I had little things. I remember um, one time in, I think it was my sixth grade year. Um, it was in gym. I was changing... Um, I think I was changing out of my PE uniform back into my regular clothes after we had run or something. And one guy purposefully tripped me and he was in the grade above me. Um, And when I reported it to uh, the administration, uh, you know, the principal, whoever I talked to, um, because he was a student who had, uh, I think he was a TA for the PE coach because he was one of the sports guys for the school. So he had a lot of power to get out of getting blamed for what he did and he's all oh if if i wanted to do something to him i could just give him bear crawls because i have the authority to do this this and that so that situation again went kind of awry where his position of, of authority allowed him to um circumvent any consequences for what he did to me and make up an excuse that that's not what happened um so again another blow to being a person who's different and being attacked um and that, that bothered me a lot because it's like I didn't do anything to this person. I was just literally changing out of my gym clothes into my normal clothes. And he knocked me down and thought it was funny and laughed. And then all of a sudden made an excuse. And because the coach liked him and because he had this position of authority, they're like, well, you probably just misunderstood what happened. I was like, no, like he called me a name and knocked me down. Like, I, I you, don't, you don't misunderstand that kind of stuff. Um, so, again, you know, still feeling that that outcastedness and ostracization uh, within social groups because of stuff like that. Um, You know, eventually you get over it, but it definitely is upsetting and and saddening that it happened. Um, But yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, seventh grade wasn't as bad I think as, as sixth grade was obviously I was older and the older kids who had picked on me were no longer there. So I didn't have to worry about them anymore. And that was pretty much the end of it as far as the bullying goes. When I got to high school, There was a really different mentality again i had to because of the changing districts sometimes you don't get to go to the schools that your friends go to you have to kind of go within i I don't know how it works demographically or geographically but you have to go to certain schools so i didn't get to go to the same high school that all my junior high friends went to i went to a different one which honestly i think was a benefit to me because the high school i ended up going to was even more diverse than my junior high was and I literally stopped having any problems at all. Um, unfortunately, there was, you know, irreversible damage to me as a person because I was shut down and introverted, and I wasn't used to getting attention, but now all of a sudden being Jean-Pierre and having a French name and looking different and being different was cool, and the girls liked it, and the girls are like, oh, I like your name. It's so, like, cool and sexy and blah, 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 you know, and I'm getting all this attention that I really never got for what, uh, you know, like seven, eight years. <laughs> um, and it was difficult to try and readjust to a normal social life when I had never had a normal social life. So it, and until college, I, I didn't really break out of that shell. Um, I still had a lot of insecurities. Um, I really worried about what people thought of me because I was so bullied and abused for how I looked and who I was that I couldn't accept um, except honestly being treated nice or people liking me i never i didn't think that was possible uh just because of what i had been through um so i was very selective i had a few very very close friends that i'm still friends with to this day and i pretty much stayed away from everything else uh i felt like a lot of people my age i had to mature at a very young age and i think that was part of it too Is i grew up around mostly around adults and i learned adult language i learned how to communicate i learned how to understand things i learned psychology different things like that. I read a lot. I read a lot of books when I was younger and I think all of that kind of put my maturity level a little higher than a lot of my classmates and so it made it difficult to socialize because even underage, they wanted to party and drink and do this and and I had other interests. Like that wasn't a priority for me you know I was into the paranormal so I wanted to go like go to haunted locations and look for ghosts I wanted to you know play video games and hang out with my friends and play paintball and and, and a lot of people my age like that too but they were more concerned with popularity and going to the parties and and chicks and all that and that wasn't my thing at the time I, I don't know for some reason it's almost like I had the foresight to understand that those things are a little more complex for someone as young as I was, and that I wasn't ready to interact on that, that social level yet because I was still trying to get back the childhood I never really had because of what I went through. So I was just trying to enjoy life to the fullest at that point. And I didn't think bringing women, alcohol, and and parties into the mix was, was for me and just who I was at that time.
0: You're thinking. <laughs> Thank goodness you had those qualities about you as, at a young age to be able to make that decision instead of just going along with it. like, yeah, okay, this is what the kids do, you
1: know? Right. Yeah, the the only thing I did on that level to be honest was um, and this is a byproduct of the abuse in my household is I lied a lot, like if my friends said oh, have you done this? Have you had sex? Have you drank? Have you done this and that? Like, Sometimes I would just say yes so they would leave me alone because I was just so used to the bullying I didn't want it to happen again so I would just say yes. That's as far as I ever went with like that stuff. If they ever questioned me on it I would just say yes, and nobody really knew me that well, so they they didn't really question if I said yes to those things. But even even now, as an adult, I'm like I kind of wish I didn't, because I I believe you should be proud of who you are, regardless if it goes with uh, the group or against the group. But when you're young, you're just trying to survive in the social environment, so <laughs> it, it is what it is. Yeah, you didn't want to go back. You finally got a breath of fresh
0: air. You do not want to go back to you know, say any of that. So that was very un- understandable. I can see why
1: you just want to deal with it again. You're like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, here it is again. They're, they're questioning me. I, I better just say yes. So I, I fit in with the group and not cause any waves. <laughs> um, unfortunately at this time is when um, I st- because of it too, I think it helped me break out of my shell somewhat. And I was questioning my family a lot more and my family being pretty much only my grandmother, my mom, wasn't super involved. She tried to be, but my grandmother's the pillar of the family and she builds herself up so. Um, And uh, it's something about Italian women. She was born and raised in Italy under Mussolini to top it off, um, World War II and a lot of uh, horrible things that happened out there as well. Um, And she's very authoritarian. She believes that people are better when they're under control and she just has a certain mindset that it goes against, I think, really living life in my personal view. Um, so unfortunately the problems at home really started around that time for me. So it got better in school. Finally, I'm in this social environment where I'm talking with people. We're laughing. I'm joking. They think I'm funny. Um, you know, I'm doing stuff. I'm hanging out with more people and friends and going out. And unfortunately at home, that became a bad thing because my grandmother is a narcissist, manipulator and abusive. And she didn't like that. Her little boy wasn't there to be her little whipping boy anymore. Cause I was, uh, a very good kid for the most part like I would cut plants fix the car paint the house like I did all kinds of chores at home like all the time but like big stuff and now that I'm more social I'm not doing enough at home anymore and you could tell that makes my grandmother very upset and she's getting more and more mad that I want to spend more time socializing with friends. She's like, you know, she's like, I have fun when I do work. And I'm like, that's fine. Then go do work. I have fun when I hang out with friends. That's what I'm going to do. Like, um, so the tension really started building and the abuse really started building up at home. So again, finally, I'm out of the bullying and, and problems in school. But unfortunately, now arises my grandmother's narcissistic, uh, manipulative behavior behaviors and you know she puts down everything i i live for the things i want to do the thing i'm things i'm ambitious about my creativity whether it's music or comedy i'm writing jokes i'm in choir singing now i'm in drama performing now um i'm going out with friends more now all these things that seem normal to me literally go against everything she stands for and she believes that if you're her family you need to believe exactly everything that she believes so um, there was a lot of fights. She accused me of using drugs all the time because I didn't obey her every every word. Um, and it it hurt a lot because I'd already went through a lot of bullying and then to come home and to be accused of doing drugs, things like that. I, I don't use drugs. I barely even drink. It's not a big thing for me. But there were times because she was, I mean, this was vicious. This wasn't like once in a while. This was constantly being bombarded with with bad words put downs. Um, She even used God and religion to say that he was going to strike me down and I was such a horrible person for not obeying her. Um, And then if I even go back to younger, I never thought we were really abused when we were little. My grandma did get mad at times and do some things that you probably would call child services on somebody for to be honest. Um, But I really thought back to some of the punishments we got when we were really little and they were for very minor things, you know, like um, like if a kid cusses, you might put soap in their mouth or make them drink Tabasco sauce, right? My grandmother would do that, but she would do that just when we disobeyed her or said something she didn't like, so I started to see that even at a young age, it's almost like she was grooming us for that controlling mentality, because I was like, yeah, wait, like, I don't think normal kids being normal kids deserves a punishment, but Unfortunately, with my grandmother, she did. So there was a few things when I was younger that started to click with me more recently about the abuse. Uh, And then again, too, music, comedy, um, you know, all of that stuff was my outlet. Uh, It really helped me get through some of the hardest times. It expressed things that I couldn't express myself at the time. Uh, But yeah, the abuse was pretty severe and savage by the time... um, by the time I got older, around high school or whatever, th- there was physical abuse for two years of my life. Um, she beat me pretty, pretty savagely with any object she could find whenever I disobeyed her. Um, it, was, it was so severe that I actually learned how to cry on cue just so she would stop beating me. And when she did, and I started crying, she stopped. It got her to stop. But she always has to push the boundaries. She would fill up a bucket of water with cold water. And while I was crying on my bed, she would dump it on me and then make me clean it up. And that was something that happened, like I said, for about two years, pretty consistently. Um, so that was very, uh, you know, painful to go through as well. Um, I mean, just to, uh, I'm going to make two more points, and then I'm going to move on to the positive side. But I, I want to tell the whole story because this is what I've been through. Um, she had taken knives to me multiple times uh, and put them up to me and said, "I black out. I could kill you." Um, You know, and this is when I was older too, Um, you know, uh, high school and even into college because I still lived at home at the time. Um, And even one time I wore, uh, when ripped jeans became really popular, I had a pair and I was going to some family event, right? It wasn't like a fancy one either, but I was wearing ripped jeans and my grandmother went ballistic. She grabbed a small bottle of bleach and she said, if you don't change your clothes, I'm going to blind you and pour this in your eyes. And... Yeah, I mean, just the, the fear she created. I literally, I learned how to lie so well because I had to avoid punishment because everything turned, everything was negative and turned to a punishment no matter what it was with her. So um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a tough thing and I'm glad I made it through it. And again, now I want to move to the positive stuff because that, that's a lot of negative stuff. Um, but it, it is what happened. I'm not fabricating anything. I don't hold any hatred or resentment. Because most of the time there are reasons for why people do these things we don't understand them most of the time a normal rational logical person doesn't usually get to the root of those problems when they don't do those types of things uh, so i know i'll never have closure on why it happened but you know again music i used to dance like michael jackson i knew all his moves when i was a little kid that was one of my big outlets i used to imitate my favorite comedians whether it was groucho marx and the Marx Brothers. Um, George Carlin, Dan Aykroyd, Johnny Carson, you know, luckily I stayed up, I was able to stay up late and watch those shows when I was a kid. Um, so all of that was uh, was very um, important in my life and it helped me escape the abuse. And even as a kid, toys were very important too. Like I used to have a really big imagination and I would play with my Ghostbuster toys or Jurassic Park toys and make new scenes or reenact scenes from the movies. So stuff like that was was very important for helping me keep my my sanity going through all this stuff Um, and then as i got older and because of getting into choir and drama i i i did it as a way to kind of escape but i ended up falling in love with it i ended up having a knack for it i would get a lot of attention when i performed and and it became a huge part of my life and the the, the saddest things is when I was about to graduate high school, my grandmother sat me down and asked me, what do you want to do the rest of your life? And I said, well, I want to live my dreams. I want to be a comedian, an actor, a rapper, this, this, is that, the other thing. And she's like, well, what if God doesn't like it and wants to strike you down? I was like, well, then God's an a-hole. And, you know, if you if you believe that and if he believes that, even though he's supposedly all loving, I don't really need either of you at that point. Like, you know, that, that doesn't make sense to tell someone their their joy and their happiness is a negative thing. So, um That's kind of when I really went off the deep end when it came to religion and just said, I don't like that people use it for their own benefit. It should be something that is healing and positive and loving for everybody, not just for the people who want to use it for their own personal gains. Yeah. Um, So, you know, stuff like that. But regardless of all that, I I kept going. Um, You know, I went to college. I I I took a stand-up comedy class. I was studying radio, TV, and film and psychology um i broke out of my shell in college finally after being introverted for pretty much my entire school career uh once i got to college i just said you know what i don't care anymore i'm just gonna be me and you can like it or not like it and it worked like it's weird that people started liking me more because i was like that and i didn't think that was the case based on what i experienced but it was kind of cool people thought it was cool to be like oh well i, I am who i am i don't care if you don't like it i don't know there's something about confidence that people really like And whether it's because they admire it, they wish they had it, you know, there's lots of different reasons. But having that confidence definitely helped me excel socially within social circles, just being me and not being offended if people didn't like me, if if they didn't agree with me or whatever. It's like, oh, that's cool. You can think the way you think. I think the way I think. That's the awesome thing about if we have actual freedom, we're allowed to have that. (laughs) So... So, yeah, I just started performing more, doing all this stuff, getting a lot of recognition and attention, getting an agent, performing, um, just doing all the stuff um, that I love to do. And really, all those outlets, I had spent years privately practicing. I never, most people, even if they found out I rapped, they never heard me. I did everything in private. I never really performed a lot of that stuff. Um, At the end of high school, I did my senior talent show. Now, I was only going to sing a solo song, and that would have been me breaking out of my shell really because I was so introverted at the time and it was very difficult for me I had to practice with the choir teacher in private and I didn't want anybody around I did it after school so nobody would see me and I was just I was that shy even though I would be performing in front of a crowd I had to practice solo (laughs) Um, so then me and my best friend uh, were pretty much very one of the very few performers on the senior talent show for our senior year and nobody uh, nobody else really signed up So uh, since people knew I had a lot of talent, some teachers and administrators came up to me and said, hey, John Pierre, do you want to do more? Because we're going to have to cancel the talent show. Nobody's signing up. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I could, we can do, I can do comedy. I can do other music. And, And then all of a sudden me and my best friend ended up Saving the senior talent show because we ended up, it was pretty much us just doing the talent show. Like I sang an Elvis Presley song. I did, uh, we did like a Who's Line Is It Anyway skit with uh, a few of our friends and I had to write it out because they didn't, we pretended it was improv, but because the school was worried about us, you know, saying thing inappropriate things, I had to write up the whole script for it. So I did. And it ended up still going over super well. Everybody loved it. And by that time, I was already doing impressions. So, you know, I, I really banked off of that. You know, I think Bill Clinton was president, and I was doing Bill Clinton's impression. And I think it was like, world's worst presidents. And I went up, and I was like, I did not have sexual relations. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the kids, my, my, my fellow classmates loved it. They went nuts. They thought I was hilarious. And, again, it was still weird for me. I was a big introvert. And after the senior talent show, I got out. And I was allowed to go to class late because I had to change. I had costumes and other things. And I got into class and all the teachers were there and all the students were there. I literally came into a class to roaring applause people going nuts, the teachers going nuts, Everybody. oh my god, dude, you were so talented, you were so funny, and you know, I was very introverted, they told me I couldn't see it because I was in the classroom, but they said I turned like blood red in the face, and was like really shy, and they were asking me why I was shy, and I'm like, I couldn't explain it, you know, can't explain years of of what caused me to be that way, Um, I love the stage, and I feel comfortable performing, and to this day, I still am this way, once I get off stage, I don't like, attention. I don't like being treated like I'm on some sort of pedestal. I do what I do because I love to do it. I don't do it for attention. Like if I achieve career success, I really don't care about a Grammy award, an Oscar, none of that. If I can wake up every day and do what I love, that right there is the goal for me. Not not some award or whatever. I'd rather just do what I love. So just to give an example of why I'm as a person now. Um, but all my talents are what pushed me forward in life. And it's, it's all those things I used to cope with the abuse and with the bullying, you know, music. Again, it, it gave me friends when I had no friends. So, so, you know, all of that stuff is extremely important.
0: Right.
1: That's a very important uh, role. Uh, we have as children is our mother is very important to us. So I think it's very important to chime in from the parents, particularly the mother. I don't know why. And not that the father doesn't have a a big impact, but there's something different about the way a mother mothers her children, you know, that mom, they call it mama bear or whatever. I think there's something very, um, again, important about that role in a child's life, whether it be a boy or a girl, there's something about the mother that just, I don't know, they have this, a, a certain I don't care, love, empathy about them, the way they protect their children. That's just, we yeah, it, like see bear. it all the time. It's hard to describe, I think, but.
0: Kind of like a bear and that's perfect. You're like, you don't mess with my baby.
1: You are, Exactly. You
0: baby. Voting isn't just going to the polls on election day anymore. Options like early voting, mail-in voting, and ballot drop boxes are available to more voters and are growing in popularity. How to Vote, a tool created by Democracy Works breaks down the options your state offers for casting a ballot, empowering you to decide when and where to vote. Democracy works best when we all vote, but misinformation and confusion about election procedures have resulted in low voter turnout. How to Vote, a tool created by Democracy Works, takes the guesswork out of the voting process. How to Vote is easy to use and helps folks from all over the country overcome many of the process barriers to voting. Democracy Works is committed to helping you vote no matter what. Their tool, How to Vote, does just that. And these are some examples. You can sign up for election reminders. See what's on your ballot. Get step-by-step assistance requesting your ballot. Explore your options for returning your voted mail ballot. Check your voter registration status, find your polling site, and make sure you have the appropriate ID. Listen up. Decide when and where you'll vote this year at howto.vote. Yes, decide when and where you'll vote this year at howto.vote, please. Go check
1: this out now. Uh, You know, the abuse at home, my mom didn't really protect us from our grandmother because she was a victim of the abuse much more severely than I was even. Um, I still appreciate what they did for me when I was younger, so I don't take away credit from them, even though there was negative situations and abuse involved. They did try to look out for us when we were younger, they, they just like you, they went to the school, they did everything they could to fight it. They even had us change school districts and fought for that to happen. So I, I don't want to take any credit away, even though there's negative negativity in my family environment, there was positive things there too. So I'll make that point very clear. That's why I said the the mama bear and, and the mother's very important in this sense when they go defend us. And that was very important to me because I had nobody else on my side. So at least I had that, as protection for me when I felt like nobody else was protecting me so I want to at least give credit where credit is due on that on that situation sure definitely I can totally
0: understand that definitely understand that I know I was listening to you as you spoke about you know your, your grandmother and and it got me thinking you know so I was gonna ask you I was like you know because like right now what's going on in the world too you know uh, I did a show called messages and stuff and you know like you said before Kids, that were, you know, doing all those ugly things, that, they weren't born like that. You know what I mean? They were taught okay. those things to learn. And in the home, we we give our had the messages that we give our, our kids or the things we say and teach them to turn up to be so destructive. It, it could just destroy a, a life if you really you know, are not careful and stuff. And, and, you know, and I try to tell people they like, have to really look at this like this is what people have been taught to yeah, think. These are. This is set in motion. That's why generation after generation we're still in this racial crap because it, keep, it keeps going. What you learn and grow with, that's what you tend to believe. And it's hard to let go of it too, even if you find out it might not be what's really happening or, or true.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, you, do you think that's possibly how, was that with your grandma or was she like that with your mom or do you think that's how she was raised? And
1: yeah, it's uh, that, I, I kind of touched on it a little bit, but the hardest thing, with leaving because i cut them off completely at the end of last year because um, it would you know i'm 35 and i finally realized i was being abused so it took me that long all the stuff i'm telling you i just realized recently it's not that i was like dealing with it before to me it was normal before the end of 2019 um but my i the realization i had to come to when i left is that i'm never going to have closure because my grandmother did not speak about a lot of things, so I think it does come from her upbringing and what she was taught, how she was raised, and I think she buried it so deep that she just became what, whatever she went through with us, and she did it to my mom. Yes, she was. She abused everybody. I came to find out, my, my find out, my father. He left when I was two, and my grandmother always painted the picture that he left us on the street and he was this horrible person. Come to find out, I met my father a few years ago. We're very close now come to find out my grandmother abused him too. And she abused him so severely. He got into drugs and alcohol. I'm pretty sure that's the reason he was on it. And that's what messed him up. And she chased him away. But the moment I met him, I'm just like him. And I think partly why my grandmother abused me so severely was because not only do I look like my father, I found out he's a multi-instrumentalist who's traveled the world performing with big you know, bands and, and artists. Um, He's an artist himself, an actor. I saw him on TV and didn't even know it was my dad. Um, all this stuff that that I was, he was. And since my grandmother hated him so much, I think that hatred spewed over in our relationship and she would look at me and see him. And that's why she was so savage towards me because she hated everything he stood for. He's a free spirit. He's an actor. He's, a, he's an activist like me. I'm an activist as well. We're all these things. And uh, so that was... Uh, that was a trip to find out that she lied and manipulated on so many things. Even my name, we were very young and uh, we changed our names to our family's last name and she took away our father's last name. And we didn't understand it. When I went to court and we did that, I have a very small memory of it, but I said my, my last name that was my father's at first in court because I was nervous. I was like, I don't even remember, maybe five when that happened? Um, and now meeting my father, I really feel like my grandmother not only did a disservice to him, but to us and stole our identity. You know, I was raised to be Italian. I speak the language fluently, but my, my dad's from Argentina. He's Italian, French, Spanish, indigenous from Argentina, and I have so much heritage in me, and it, I, I'm hurt because I, I felt like my identity was stolen. So I really identify um, and have empathy because of what I went through, especially for indigenous people and blacks, because even though it's on a smaller scale, I had my identity stolen just like these people had. you know, I was lied and manipulated to just like these people have been, and I think what even though this is all negative in some sense, what happened? I broke the cycle. I didn't become what my grandmother was. And I got away from it. And I'm, I have empathy for people. I care for people. I want to see everyone happy. Me being happy is nice. But if, if not everyone is happy, how is that really beneficial to humankind? It's not. Because people who, who aren't happy don't tend to do good things to other people. Because unfortunately, it seems like man has this weird thing where they have to bring other people down when they see them up. Instead of us holding hands and building each other up together, we pull each other down so we can go forward or step on someone so we can move forward. And my grandmother is the epitome of that mentality. And it's something that always felt wrong. Even when I was super little and she used to talk that way, I always just, something rubbed me the wrong way. Like, why do you think this way? Why do you think you're better than other people? I don't understand that. I'm not better than anybody. I'm just trying to be better than me yesterday. I'm not trying to be better than you or anybody else. To me, there's only one race, the human race. And everyone's my brother and sister, regardless of their history, past, background, culture, whatever it is. Um, You know, we choose to find little things to separate ourselves, but um, I don't see it that way. And I think that's the beauty and what I took from my negative experiences. I wanted better. I went through so much pain and so much hurt that I don't want to see people go through it. Why? What's the point? What's the point of me taking everything I've been through and say, well, now I want that to happen to everybody else. No, never. That's the worst thing I could ever think. I want people to avoid it at all costs. My biggest fear right now, because I know it's happening and I've had friends that happened to, after realizing I was abused and getting away from it and living such a positive life, right now with this quarantine and lockdown, I have friends that are with abusive family stuck in that home 24 hours a day. Yep. And it honestly, I, it brings me almost to tears to think about it because I know what I've been through. It's not even, I don't even know how to describe it. it it's, it's horrible that we live in a, a world where that is the only option for us is to stay in these horrible situations sometimes. Yep. It's all
0: right. It's all right. When, when this happened, that's one of the first things I started to think about was what you just said. The first thing was the kids that, the only safe place they had was the mm-hmm. to
1: school. Yes.
0: Said, now they're stuck at home, you know what I mean? No safe outlet. No, you know, yeah. no how they're not, you know, being taken You know, care of or whatever. I said domestic, I said what about the woman is now stuck in the house and the only time she was able to get away you know what I mean, or whatever the case, the abuse, or who, whomever it may be, that that was there, the one went to the work, or however that situation was, now that doesn't, however you dealt with it, it doesn't happen anymore, now you're stuck inside the monster,
1: and you out exactly. to the
0: home, because it's just crazy, and the, the drug, I thought about the, the alcoholic, the, the addict, you know what I mean, that, hmm. everything that no one else was thinking about, I don't yes. know what, is, what is going on <laughs> here, you know, and like I said, empathy and stuff, you know, those are the things that, you know, thank God you, you carried that in you still. And I feel the same way. Why would we want to inflict something that we went through on some someone else? That's just like how I feel about okay, my ancestors and then this going on now and I was having this talk with somebody I said, but I wouldn't want this for somebody else. How can I say I want justice or I want things to get better and then turn around and say I want, you know what I mean? But I'm like prejudice still. Like, I don't like white people. You know what I mean? I get a lot of people like that. Yeah. White people, they're evil. They're evil. And I'm like, well, I go, since that you even make, are you evil? I was like, people said things about us that wasn't true. So how does that work for now you? You know what I mean? You really mm-hmm. back the same thing that you were, you know? And I was just like, that keeps the cycle going. I'm like, you gotta...
1: It really does. And and especially me being a rap artist, being a rap artist, Um, I know where rap comes from. I study the history of things that I'm passionate about. I don't just... I'm not a culture vulture. I don't just come in and take and use it for my own benefit. I actually really sit down with the culture itself, the history of the culture, where it came from and what it means. And I learned a lot about black culture by getting into rap because I wanted to know, okay, I'm good at rhyming and putting words together and telling stories this way, but it came from somewhere and I love that music. So why wouldn't I learn about it? And that's the connection I have to understanding what the culture went through, what what the people went through, and why the, this was this art form was created from some of the worst situations. Yeah. There's that constructive outlet that that the streets had, that the impoverished had to to express themselves, and uh, I think that's really important. Uh, and I think uh, something I've learned talking to the culture itself and understanding and being empathetic is a lot of people I think really have the wrong idea of what. These, the, um, the final outcome of all this activism is Black Lives Matter, whatever you have. Um, you know, people think it's, they want reparations. People think this, no, that's all good and well. But w- when I've sat down and talked with people, it's the fact that America whitewashes history covers things up, tells people to get over it. But we still live in a system that was built during a time when these things were acceptable and nothing has changed fundamentally in the systems that were built on the backs of other people. And I think that's where we miss the message in the change that actually needs to be done. It's systematic change. It's not changing the the racists. The racists are always going to be racist if that's their MO.
0: Exactly. You can't take hate out of somebody's heart. You You can
1: But what you can do is look at the police system and say, hmm, they were created literally from the uh, the officers on the plantations who were the slave patrols, basically, were, directly came into the police force. And the laws that were created were specifically created for the people who were just freed slaves and had nothing, and they found excuses to put them in prison, you know, or put them in jail. Like, if you study history, that's a fact. You can deny it if you want but i think people in america in particular have this really big problem with understanding history and why we keep repeating the same issues over and over we don't acknowledge our past we just don't it's not about all white people being bad it's the fact that you benefit from a system where bad white people built it and you benefit from it still it's a fact I've i've talked about my privilege before and why i'm a voice for the black community the indigenous community and anyone else I know I have privilege and it doesn't mean my life was perfect. I just told you horrible things that happened in my life. Yeah. But I, a law officer has never uh, put his, his knee on my neck when he pulled me over. Now I've been called some racial things from officers and treated pretty poorly and dehumanized by them. But I never necessarily thought I was going to be killed because I knew how to comport myself in those situations. And to me, that's what privilege is yeah. not, not having money or not, you know, or everything's good in your life. Privilege mm-hmm. is that I'm still breathing right now. Mm-hmm. And I've had bad interactions with, with law enforcement and whatever. And not even that I did anything wrong because they assumed something about me. Yeah. So I think it's just that, that disconnect with people. Um, yeah. When it comes to understanding why people are upset about the way things run. And unfortunately, in America, we're very individualistic. We don't think about the collective group. And mm-hmm. empathy is the key word on that one. That i It's my favorite word because I feel like I really have empathy for other people.
0: too. That's what I teach the kids all the time. That's, that's yes. The time. I use that
1: word consistently right. in my life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> gotta have it, you know? You gotta have it. I don't care what anybody says. You gotta have it because we all need it. We all want it. So we have to embody yeah. that and have it. I've had somebody say they didn't even have it. They never, and I didn't get it. I said, well, you're living in the same world as me, right? How do you not? how you're not able to have empathy for others Yes,
1: by that but i said okay well it must be something growing up once again (laughs) yeah again it's it's definitely a learned behavior and america really does push that mentality um because i mean if if we want to talk about it i i always break things down in america we have a classist divide in america It, it masquerades as racism but it's classism the wealth gap is what causes all these problems. You have a handful of people that control all the money. In turn, they control all the power, the laws, everything. Um, that's where the divide is. But they, they masquerade that as race. They get poor white people to believe one day they'll have money. So they're against the minorities and people of color because they think they're in a different class. They're superior somehow those would be the ones that are following those trump supporters exactly (laughs) exactly and and let me let me be clear not (laughs) like yeah (laughs) and and i'll be clear because i've studied this a lot okay it's not all trump supporters don't think necessarily that but all people who think that are trump supporters that's the clear distinction here yeah it's it's not that all people who support trump are that way but all people who think that way do support trump so you have to kind of Frame it correctly to to get the message across that look, I know you may not be racist or or you know discriminatory or prejudice or whatever, but the fact is everyone who is supports this person, so think about how that makes you look that's mm-hmm. the That's the distinction people miss when they when we're discussing this hot topic is mm-hmm. they're they're missing the point that you put yourself in a group of people just like police who profile certain people or certain things like that you're you're lumping everyone into the same group so yeah Yeah, that's how the the human mind works unfortunately we see a group of people and if you associate yourself with that group of people they're going to associate you as those type of people too so you know
0: unfortunate
1: Yeah. yeah but um but anyway to to get back to i think uh i don't know i don't think we went on a tangent i think it's all related to what we were talking about um But I definitely want to get back to the positive, uplifting part of of all the negative that happens. And I think um, I've been through a lot, obviously, and I've told you pretty much everything I've been through. Um, And it made me empathetic and caring. And I see I've been through abuse, so I know what abuse looks like. So when I call out police brutality or politician politicians, corruption in, in big industry that manipulates politics, things like that. I'm coming from a, an area of experience from there. Like, I think people miss that. It's like, I've, I know exactly what abuse looks like. It, it triggers you when you've been through abuse. And these behaviors from people in power, people in charge, they're exactly what my narcissistic grandmother is. To a T, they, they would get along. They would they would be great friends if if they met in person. So I think that's the point of it, what I went through made me see. Because I couldn't express myself or fight my abuser while I was there, what I did was I externalized that into the world, and I started seeing those traits within government, within uh, policing, within brutality, within all aspects of the world, and view it as abuse. So I. Truly believe America is an abusive system and allows for abuse to happen, yeah. and that's why I feel the way I feel. So I think to me that's important because I know I can I ha, I know the signs of when there's something negative happening or something bad happening, yeah. um, and I think that's an important yeah. distinction a lot of people don't make and can't make because they can't see it themselves. But uh, you know it's just a, a side point. I want to again get back try and get back to the positivity here. Of um, besides all that, I came out of all that bad. I don't hate people, you know, at least not, um, I, I think not for dumb reasons. I think if I dislike anybody, there's very specific reasons. Like I went out on Monday and I, uh, with some friends, right? We wore masks, we social distanced, all that good stuff because I'm high risk. I have type 2 diabetes, so I have to be careful. Um, and there were people blatantly not wearing masks and demanding that the, the properties we were on provide them with one. And seeing that mentality, I don't like those types of people, just being honest. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, I you, just yeah. the lack of empathy and care I saw, okay. mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah.
0: No regard really for an human life at all. I had somebody once to go get a doctor's note at my sister's job. She's a pharmacy tech. Yeah. Because you know, They didn't want to wear, to wear the mask. Well, she's like, well, we're thinking like, well, then just put your, uh, because they all affect like, she's allergic or something like that. Hmm. Your, your shirt do something put your shirt over your face while you're in the store you just don't want to put anything so it's not even about anybody it's just about you because you, you could have put a scarf over something you could have done to at least try but the doctor signed off on it and and I just was like i don't understand
1: <laughs> yeah no it's we're living in tough times but the reality is uh again i think actually it's an example of you in my story the negative brings out some positive you know what i mean trump brought out all the people that we need to be careful of, the racists, uh, the misogynists, the people who claim that all lives matter, but don't really care that much about humanity at all. Um, you know, at least now we know who these people are. We wouldn't have if, if Trump wasn't in office. So now at least we know who to, who to look out for. Um, the same thing with this pandemic. Um, you're seeing the selfishness of American uh, individualism at, at work. Um, <laughs>
0: Drink and being fart, I'm like, dude, if you're cool with it, but you still have to go outside and you could spread that. You know what I mean? I could see if you're the only one in the world and you live in a bubble, but you're not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So just the, that, we're, we're seeing every, all the roaches, as it were, are coming out from the woodwork right now right. and showing America's mentality and how it is, which is, is sad. But again, the positive thing is we know who to look out for. You know what I mean? It's always much easier to take on your enemy if you know who they are. And now we're really learning who they are, whether it's people that are opposed to um, equality, which I think a lot of people who make, uh, I would call ignorant arguments against equality uh, to be, um, or people who won't wear a mask because they're selfish, like all these things, you know, Um, the irony with, with the people I see saying, be a free American, take off your mask. You know how I can counter that? You work for a giant corporation and you think you're free? Try to go somewhere without money and see if you're free. Your you're, you're, your wording for freedom is really skewed because we're not free in this country. We're really not. We're very controlled here, and, and the fighting and the infighting proves that we are. If we were free, you'd be able to criticize a police officer for using excessive force and killing people. Yep. You know? But we're not free, and then and, and, and you fight for it, and there's people that actually defend this kind of cruel behavior. And again, let's go back to the word empathy. They lack empathy. Yeah. When, when the yeah. first reaction to a man dying is, let me go look at his criminal record and not, not why it's happening or why it happened, that's, you have a real problem there because you're looking for ways to justify the extinguishing of a human life. Exactly. And that is, on you know like oh my goodness that's the life you know yes you know that's a life his daughters don't have a father anymore Mm -hmm. like there are important factors in this that go beyond your your petty um you know arguments for why you don't care for other people
0: (laughs) and even with that with these people i I did a show because sometimes i I get i don't get worked up i get very passionate sometimes when i you know same here and then i tell people i'm like and I'm actually, sometimes I'm actually speaking to these people, not, you know, directly, but kind of through, you know, like if I see them and I'm asking, them, I'm like, you have loved ones, right? Like you, you even these, you know, That's so right. I try to be respectful even to the worst of people. Of course. Yeah. Same. I'm like, you have kids, you have family, you love them, right? And you don't want anything to happen to them. So why would she go out and do the same thing to other people and wish the same thing on other people? You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, these people actually have people that they care for and they love. Yeah. And that's what I'm getting. That's where you see the empathy really come in. Is we're mm-hmm. all human, we all have people that we love. And so, yeah. what if that was your child, I always say, Well, if that was your child hanging off of a tree, well, if that was your child running and didn't come back home, you know, I always make those points like, What if it was you?
1: Yes, and and it's that connection that <laughs> lack and, and in that comes with empathy. Um, you know, back to that word again, definitely. Um, but even with all that, um, I'm trying to make a positive change with with my art and with my creativity. Uh, the current album I'm working on, uh, uh, it's I, I'm done recording the songs for it, but I have still some stuff I'm going to do. Uh, but I'm working with this woman from Jamaica whose son was killed through gun violence uh, here in Los Angeles, California. Um, We don't know the details. They don't know how he was killed. The police never did a a real investigation. So she never got justice. And so the album is very deep about about our justice system and how it's broken and how certain people aren't taken serious when it comes to this type of stuff. So um, With all I've been through. I'm a champion and a voice. For what needs to change and justice and equality. And I really portray that in all my art forms, you know, my stand up comedy is very political. I touch on hot button issues. I joke about like right now, literally um, Another positive thing that's coming out of all the negativity in the world is my my comedy is just making fun of everything that people are doing right now, whether it's related to the masks, whether it's saying, you know, all lives matter. Um, all that kind of stuff. I'm just making fun of it and making a lot of really funny stand-up material. So I'm hoping the next time I'm able to do stand-up, yeah, I can really touch on all those subjects. But I really use my past in my present to try and make a positive change, to make people laugh, to make people think, to create something. So I took everything that I I learned in expressing myself where I couldn't in my home and in social circles when I was younger and I put all that into my creativity, and I think now it's, I'm, I'm really trying to make that shine and make an impact in the world. And that's, that's the positive that came from all of this. You know, as hard as everything was that I went through, I came out of it, and I think I'm more empathetic and caring because of what I went through. Um, and that's a positive. So I focus on the positive, not the negative. You can't live in the past. You have to move forward. And I'm talking about personal past. I'm not talking about historical past. In historical past, I believe we should live in the past and know our (laughs) past very well. Yeah, Um, I get what you're saying. We shouldn't let it deter us either, you know, and hold us back. We should want to move forward with that knowledge of the past to know what to avoid and to know what we should keep with us and carry and and move forward. So the final note is just I want to be an inspiration to people, not just to go after your dreams, but to have empathy and to care. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. So um, you know, I hope to just keep building that with my life and the the things I'm trying to accomplish, and uh, that's my main mission, with uh, with what I'm doing. And uh, that's a beautiful thing that came from so much negative. There's so much beauty that came out of it. It's the uh, was it Tupac said? You know, the the rose that that grew out of concrete. I feel like I'm that rose. You know, there there was nothing around. There's no there's no vegetation. There's no nature. There's nothing, but still that rose broke through yeah. and it grew out of that, that situation. So, um, I'm trying to be that rose that grows out of concrete.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I expect that and I appreciate that from you. Uh, and I'm happy to know that there's someone like you, you know, another individual, you know what I mean? That has that, that empathy and that passion and, that, and through our arts and creativity can make someone feel better or see, you know, something differently and in such a positive manner, especially with our youth, too. Like, you know what I mean? That we going through these things and they could, you know, we, I think it's very important that we show them a better way to deal with stuff besides the, alter- which is not an alternative, is which that I had seen a whole lot of that was happening with taking, taking their own life. And I said, that is not an option. That's no way okay. That's got to stop. We need to put things in place where a child has somewhere to turn to immediately and that that can never be a part of the, you know the choice system we have the choices and So yeah. I want to stop that program you know a safe place and um i think we're stopping the pain and we just put these all these things these things that take that thinking out wherever they pick that up from remove it immediately you know and um so
1: i appreciate yeah that you're very doing. true and i understand and that's something i didn't even really talk about but in, in the abuse, just to go back a little bit into the negative, because I, I think it's important to, to mention, um, I went through a couple of really bad bouts of depression and suicidal thoughts as well when I was going through the severe abuse. Um, more That's more from the family thing, but I'm, I'm sure that the bullying also had a huge effect because it makes your worldview very negative too. Um, and it, I did go through that. I mean, I think for me, again, I think my empathy didn't allow me to take it as far as I wanted to because I I actually thought about the other people in my life that it would affect and I didn't like the feeling I had when I thought about that so that's what made me say nah you know maybe this ain't the way because that's not fair that I'm trying to stop whatever suffering I think I'm going through but I'm going to create a lot more suffering and that's against everything I believe in so so yeah just a, a side note to what some of the dark past. But again, I'm proud that I'm here today. I'm using my voice to speak out. I'm using my music to speak out, my comedy, my entertainment, and I'm, I'm positive and moving forward, so.
0: Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. Go to Ballot Ready for a non-partisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choices to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on election day. This election matters. Make sure you have a plan to vote and vote informed. This year, with changes to polling places and vote-by-mail laws as a result of COVID, it's more important than ever to have a plan to vote. Local elected officials affect our lives every day. They decide who to prosecute, monitor the quality of our drinking water, and choose the leadership of our schools. 30% of voters take the time to vote and then leave some part of their ballot blank. This is a missed opportunity to choose the leaders of our communities. It's okay if you're unfamiliar with some of the more local positions. We recommend hosting a ballot party. Get together with friends over Zoom. Split up the research and go through your ballots together go to ballotready.org go to ballotready.org b-a-l-l-o-t org. enter your address to make a plan to vote and vote informed go to ballotready.org please this is very important that you vote and you vote informed thank you
1: I think that's what i said Uh, that's what everything i've been through from the bullying to the abuse made me feel but the moment i came to terms with the abuse at the end of 2019 i spoke with people the biggest surprise here and this is another positive about talking about it almost every single person i talked through had similar experiences related built me up said positive things and i didn't feel alone anymore i had some of my closest friends when i said look i need to talk like this is what happened this is what my grandmother did to me and they were in shock. These are my best friends who've been around me most of my life and they never really knew what I went through and they were shocked. But in the end, like it's validation because they agree that what you went through was horrible and it's okay to think that what happened to you was bad, you know, instead of, you know, Oh, it's just the person being the way they are. So yeah, I think the biggest problem we have in America is that that individualism again, away from the collective is we don't open up about, especially men, you know, being a man, man, you're supposed to be tough. You're not supposed to talk about, you know, uh, people hurting you, especially the fact that it was a woman that abused me, you know, even worse because, you know, that's like unmanly to be abused by a woman. Like that's kind of the mentality America has this macho egoism that we have. And that creates a lot of problems. So I think being open is the first step. I know it helped me, make leaps and bounds when I left the abuse to open up and hear that I wasn't alone at all. Almost every single person in my life, not all, but a good chunk have been through similar things and made us closer and it it made you have this circle and this network of people and we all show empathy and we care for each other and that helps tremendously. So don't take that for granted. Open up with people you think you may trust
0: and you don't know
1: what can come from that. Yeah about
0: these discussions you have to be willing and able because then somebody else i told people that somebody else might have been feeling the same way and then when they heard you say it then they they you know what i mean were, were able so i had this one show and then i'll you know give it back to you and close it out however you like yeah so i do where it kind of reaches everybody all over the country it's called task box it's a live show and everybody comes in there and we were talking about these things and then there was um and I kind of title it, and and we just start talking about stuff. And there's this one, I think she she was a, a white girl, a white lady, or a girl, a young girl, white, young white girl. And she said, she was talking, and then she was like, you know what? She said, to be honest with you, she said, I find myself not wanting, not knowing what to do, or not wanting to say anything because, of what someone will think of me or judge of me. And then she felt bad for that. And I told yeah. her, I said, I said, you know what? I said, but see, what you just, what you just did here, I said, you took power from that. You said it. You said it out loud. You took that, you know what I mean, that that's how you feel. And now that somebody else might hear you and, and they can say it too now. You know, she's so bad that maybe she should be more active and basically probably saying that if she steps out and, and speaks up for what's right, then maybe her, you know, the other, her family, you know what I mean, or her culture or, you know, the yeah. white or something like that might look at her and, you know, and I said, there's nothing wrong with that because you said it. You know what I mean? And now maybe somebody else will say it. You know, you got to start somewhere. I said, so you should, you should be very proud of yourself that you were able to open your mouth to so even say that. That's what, That's why you're scared and that's why you don't, know, you know, do, mu- do much. You know, you took power away from that and I thought that was very powerful. Definitely. I'm going to let her know that too, you know, like to keep that up and don't let nobody, you know. Cause maybe if I say that, then maybe I'll encourage her, you know, to do
1: it more versus like, oh so you ain't gonna say nothing,
0: (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: of course. No, it's very true, yeah. Um, That positive affirmation um, really makes an impact on people. I know it has for me um, in my life, so yeah, for sure. Definitely, and and that's what I just said, speak out, say it. You never know who you're gonna encounter, who you're gonna relate to, connect to, who you're gonna inspire. Um, I know I've had people in my life because when I started opening up about the abuse, opened up about their abuse, and I've had them tell me like, man, you know, when you said that, I, I was quiet, but you really made me think about it. And now I've come to terms with my own abuse. It was similar to what you went through. And now I'm facing it and dealing with it where it was suppressed before. So yeah, you never know the impact you'll have. So I'm, I'm really living by that philosophy of my life now.
0: That's amazing, you have a very, very powerful story. on Jean-Pierre and I'm just so, I don't want to say like impressed because I'm like, well, I'm not impressed with his abuse, but you know what I mean, I'm like impressed. Yeah. Impressed at how you carry yourself, basically. And I'm impressed by how you chose you chose. You you choose, you know what I mean, and which I love about people, like the, you choose your kind of your path and how you're gonna deal with stuff and you're not gonna be a victim to anything. You you made the choice of how you were going to take what happened to you. And even though you even didn't even know you were really abused until not that long ago, but you still you know what I mean? You you still had that your that human that's the part that makes us human. And he chose to just carry you know carry on and not hold back or strike out at anybody and, and just live life to the fullest and the best that you can
1: and I really admire that about you Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the compliment definitely and yeah, that's all we can do is take what we have in life and try and turn it into something that is beneficial not just for ourselves in my mind but for everybody so that's yeah. that's a beautiful way to go about things and thank you for the compliment
0: yes yeah, yeah,
1: and also. Before
0: we um, uh, get out of here or anything, which, uh, could you please let our listeners know where they can find everything from the childhood and Jean-Pierre?
1: Uh, of course, yeah. So again, my name is Jean-Pierre Gignoli. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It was a wonderful conversation. If you want to find out more about me and all the things I do, and I do quite a bit, as uh, Brandy mentioned and I mentioned, uh, my main website is www.mcpierre.com. That's the letter M, the letter c P-I-E-R-R-E, and it has the links to all my other stuff, uh, my social media, my handles on social media are at id. @talented. that's talented with an extra E-D. I made that up because I do so much, I needed to add a little extra uh, <laughs> id at the end there. So yeah, that's uh, that's a little bit about me. Uh, I just hope to inspire people and do something that can have an impact in people's lives and make a change one day in the world, so.
0: And you will, I mean, you, you already are, so... Thank you so much, and you are welcome here. You have a voice here with a voice to be restless because we're on the next level right now for so season like five or six and a half, I think. <laughs>
1: Congrats on that.
0: Thank you, thank you so much, and um you uh, take care. And everybody, this is Jean Pierre, uh the man that does much. We're just gonna say Joan Pierre, the talented. There you go. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me. Have a great day.
0: Yeah. Are you registered to vote? Headcount is a nonpartisan organization that works with the music and entertainment industry to get fans to vote. To update or check your voter registration status, go to headcount.org where you'll find all the information you need to be ready for election day. Are you registered to vote at your current address? More than 60% of eligible voters have never been asked to register. Headcount.org is working to change that. At headcount.org, you can also check your registration status. Millions of people get purged from the voter rolls every year. Everyone should check their registration status every year. The deadline to register to vote in some states is as early as October 4th. So you want to check before then. You can also request an absentee ballot. Get info on early voting. Find your polling place or see what's on your ballot. Headcount is a nonpartisan nonprofit that tours with musicians to help co- concert attendees register to vote. But you don't need to leave your house to register or get voting info. Just visit headcount.org. Register to vote at headcount dot org. Register to vote at headcount.org. headcount dot org. H e a d c o u n t dot org. Because this matters. Thank you for tuning in. I hope that you. Listen, and if you know anybody or are going through this yourself, you're not alone. Reach out. Please, reach out. I want to say thank you so much for joining me and making a great choice and letting me spend time with you guys in your homes, your living rooms, your kitchens, wherever you may listen to the show from. Just know you're very much appreciated. And thank you so much from Brandy J. Singleton, a voice to be reckoned with the next level. And once again, thank you to Mr. Jean Pierre for being so courageous and choosing to use what you've been through to help others. And you sure are a light, a very needed light. All right, guys. Much love. Peace out and stay kind. Mwah.